Hello, I'm so excited to have you on as my first guest on the International Voice. Um, and um, I'm, I'm pretty sure like a lot of international students are, are going to enjoy this session and going to appreciate you sharing your insight about the tech industry. Uh, so just to give you an insight um, of background of Yadu, uh, he was also an international student uh, who graduated from the Portland State University with his M.A. in electrical and computer engineering uh, amid the 2008 financial crisis. So that's really important because uh, that is why the session would be really important. Um, and um, he joined Intel right after his graduation, and he has been there for um, almost uh, 12 years now. Um, he also leads the voluntary um, investing club at the Intel, and um, he has given a lot of talks uh, regarding investment strategies and leadership. Um, he also is a big believer in the compound uh, effect, uh, applying that in the in life and as well as um, just investment strategies. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add, uh, Yadu? No, that's it. Well said, Japni. Thank you very much for the introduction and kind um, words. So, appreciate it. Right. So, um, so uh, let's let's go back to memory lane. So, um, right. I want to talk about um, when you uh, graduated with a bachelor's, right? And then you uh, started working. Um, I, and I believe you worked for two years in the uh, like in the Tata Group, right? And uh, how, like, there, there's a common perception that uh, once a person really starts working, it's really hard to get back. Uh, into the education side and start doing, uh, like start studying back, right? When you're starting, uh, start earning bucks. Um, so how, like what really uh, triggered uh, that effect that you would want to go and pursue a higher education in America? Um, uh, good question. So uh, thank you, um, Japneet. So let me uh, start with a little bit of my background. Um, and I, uh, was born and raised in um, um, a small town called Thiruvananthapuram in Kerala. And my uh, dad was an engineer, worked for the Indian Space Research Organization, and my mom was a, a government employee at the Postal Department. And um, like most folks, um, I, I just wanted to follow my the footsteps of my father and be, be an engineer. So I always wanted to do that. And at school, I was you know pretty good at uh, math and uh, physics, similar to most folks who are for joining this call or listening in, uh, who are coming from India, and uh, always wanted to get into engineering. So I had the opportunity to um, you know after I graduated from my bachelor's uh, in India, college. In, College of Engineering Trivandrum, opportunity to work a couple of years in Tata Consultancy Group um, uh, services in India, in Bangalore. And um, you're right, it is a tough transition to, you know, when you are working to switch back to, you know, student life. But I was always set with the, had the set mindset that I want to pursue my uh, higher education, my uh, graduate studies, uh, and that too in America at that point of time. And then, um, you know, I, I just made sure I, I was working towards that goal. And I kind of, uh, you know, applied and got lucky to be admitted in one of the universities here. And then um, uh, uh, Intel was always my dream company back there because I, did, uh, you know, back in my bachelor's, I did electronics and instrumentation engineering. So, um, uh, you know, I, I was very interested in x86 processor and, you know, microcontrollers and other things, which was you know, some of the projects I did, um, you know, back in bachelor's. So always, uh, you know, was excited to work in the microprocessor industry and VLSI industry in particular. And it, Intel was the biggest name at that point of time so uh, is, so is my video ask, frozen no i can i can see it uh yeah it's good now um so um like so were your aspirations more like what were your aspirations like uh you said that you always wanted to work for intel intel is one of the big big techies so everybody knows about it all over the world so what were your aspirations like when you were really applying for american universities and and uh, dreaming of going there and working for a big techie 
no as i said i, I didn't have you know much uh, insights uh, into the world of uh, you know uh, like this industry semiconductor and all uh, all I, i knew that i i would like to you know program uh, you know devices uh, you know controllers make make a cpu and then uh, you know work on that industry and and then learn computer architecture and all the other you know things that come uh, along with it right so uh, i was i was just fascinated with that industry and then i was so happy uh, that uh, you know during my grad studies and then once i started working as working on the things i really really loved and cherished um and but along that came you know pluses and minuses and many other uh, things i've been working for like close to 12 years at intel now mm-hmm. and uh, two years prior uh, in uh, tcs um uh, any any job if you could look at it there are pluses and minuses there will be parts of that job that people will like and parts that uh, you may not like for example just because you you get to work on a microprocessor doesn't mean you do, you don't uh, get to um, uh, you don't have to update a presentation or write a mm-hmm. word document or something or 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 put in numbers on an excel sheet uh, for your managers or your bosses and things like that right? so there are mundane aspects of any job that you might not enjoy um, that uh, you know a common example i'll tell you right uh, some be a, a cop a police right you know and carry a gun around but that's not just the part of the job they have to go back and then submit reports of what they've right. done and you know not done and things like that so it, it you know whatever you see in the movies is just a reflection of a small tidbit but uh, every job whatever you do have a mundane aspect of things and as long as you can keep that to the most minimum and uh, maximize the things that you enjoy uh, everybody should should love uh, you know uh, would love their their job so that is a probably a lesson uh, for people to take away right and the other things we can talk about are probably mistakes and i, I would mm-hmm. love to uh, start my talks with the mistakes primarily because um, i love this uh, quote right wise people learn from others mistakes intelligent learn from their own and fools never learn so i i hope that we can all be wise and even better then i can you know you guys can learn from my mistakes um, and uh, uh, that will help help you right so um that, that that's something if you if you're interested i can segue into that sweet yeah we will definitely dig deep into that and that was amazing um so what else like once you actually reached portland state university was there any sort of culture shock um how was like how was the atmosphere how did you feel like was it something that you were looking into looking like this is what america would look like or this is what american university experience would look like so uh, how was how was the experience when you once you landed in portland state university well like most of uh, you know students who are coming uh, from uh, different uh, parts of the world to come to america uh, you know first probably the feeling is uh, you know some 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 kind of a freedom right like a air breath you know you know left out kind of a thing yeah so that is always there you you uh, you see the difference i mean primarily for folks who are coming from india where uh, you see massive crowds uh, you know everywhere Uh, versus when you come to us uh, you can see that uh, based on where you are if you are in the middle of new york city yes, that is different it'll feel like probably like bombay itself but other than that um, you know most parts of the us is uh, much more you know less densely populated than you know, any 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 major city in india and um, and you feel a kind of a freedom to do what you would like and what you choose and things like that and probably it is because you are not uh, in a close knit community like your your friends or family or anybody around and people don't know you and you are kind of 
feeling like uh, you know that, that there's a chain that is kind of uh, let free uh, and you're you're coming out of your cocoon kind of thing so that's a natural feeling and the other interesting aspects is um, you know uh, making friendship with uh, students from other parts of the world um, whether it is uh, you know people from uh, different parts of asia i had opportunity to meet with people from uh, japan uh, in the middle east uh, and europe and also from africa so that is all nice interactions uh, with them and uh, you know it was interesting uh, at that point of time uh, but um, uh, the, unlike uh, most things is graduate studies is, is always very hectic it is very focused it's a two year program and you are always focused to uh, you know do well and then you know get a job because it's it's a very expensive part of your education too right and like high school or something it's not kind of free uh, and um, so you're always cost conscious and you know mindful of that so those are those are my initial thoughts when you come to uh, united states so yeah i i can completely relate to the fact of uh, that uh, freedom that you get all of a sudden right you're not in that like your your parents are not a call away they're like <laughs> they're really far away My, thousands of thousands of miles away so uh, got to got to track down and like keep yourself like in check all the time so i can completely relate to that um getting on to uh, so uh, is there anything yeah, like just I mean, studies are all, all part of it, right? Yes, there's a tension of that, but there's also a lot of fun that you have during those times, and you can reflect back. So some of you are still, you know, still in uh, school. Um, you you should enjoy it as much as possible because those times will will not come back uh, like that, right? So yeah. Right. Um, so uh, was there any leadership stuff that you did on, um, at the university, or uh, you wish you would have done, or you would suggest other students um, to do some leadership stuff or anything? while you were in the university um that's a good i know question. because as a graduate student it gets really really difficult because i know like now as a graduate student it's i don't have enough time to do all that yeah we did organize um, the indian students associations program uh, one year i was part of uh, doing that but uh, apart from that no not major uh, activities to be honest with you um i would i uh, i'm not sh- sure to say there is a right or wrong in that right it doesn't you know mean like everybody should do it or not right but that i personally feel that that's not something that will define you for the long run um you know leadership best is done when you you are um doing it without a title right you don't need the title to lead and uh, what comes naturally is when people get attracted to you based on what Uh, you know it's not the, the not your words that you speak but the actions you do and people will tend to uh, come to people who who can they can trust and that's how the leadership is you know ultimately built and i feel like you know the term leadership and trust are two you know they go synonyms they are, should be synonyms right so it's not like any activity or a group that you had or something like that defines what a leader is it it is much much more uh, refined and it will it will build on itself in in the long run it's not in the short run um, that that happens oh, so that's amazing uh, just leading by example right as a leader leading by example <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah um so i have a, a fun story about that right so if people want to hear right so um i was always interested in, in sports uh, and and playing cricket uh, was always a, a passion uh, you know especially people who come from uh, india or south asian uh, south asian countries they know you know how how much cricket is part of the culture so there was an incident in school where um i had to um, you know organize a, a match between uh, you know my class and the the next uh, uh, division um uh, this was in school by the way like 11th or 12th standard and um, what ended up happening is we set uh, decided the date of the match and everything was there and we had to pick 11 students from my my class boys uh, by the way 
um, and then uh, 11 from the opposing um, uh, uh, team. And uh, we knew, like internally, I knew that my team was way better because we had the best player in our school in my class. And uh, he was there and I was not bad myself. And I was captaining that team. And, uh, you know, we had pretty good players and we could easily beat the other team. No questions asked. Like, it, it was probably like India versus, uh, you know, some some minor, my, minor country. Zimbabwe uh, you know, or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, call it that way. Yes, exactly. There's no way we would lose. But what I ended up having is... Um, and again, I was the captain of the so-called team, right? Set, set up the team and, and it was all ready for the match. Um, but the day of the match, the, you know, uh, what happened is out of 11 people, only three people showed up. Like me, the best player, his name is Brijesh and another guy. And, and then we had to scramble around to find, okay, how do we find, fill up the 11 people? Because the other team was already there. They were ready. And if we didn't play them, we will forfeit them, then they will win. And it is actually a tournament. Like there were like four divisions and the top two will uh, proceed to the final. So just like a mad scramble, I was like desperately going behind people saying, okay, can you come? Can you come? Try to pull people from the bus because they were leaving, uh, you know, at around like 2.30 for the first first trip. And I said, okay, no, no, stay back for a match and then go go home later. But nothing worked. Right? Ultimately, what ended up was uh, we were like four four guys. Um, and then uh, we had to scramble. And there was, we were in, like in the 12th grade. And there was a young boy from ninth grade who was like desperately coming and talked to us saying, okay, can I also join? Can I also join? But the other team said, no, it, like, that guy cannot join because he's not in the same grade. But, but the story was, it was 11 versus four. And we had to play the match at that time, at that spot. And, um, you know, even though we had the best players, we were much better. We kind of stuck it out, uh, you know, and, and um, you know, the story was like we lost the match by about 10 runs. We could have easily won if we had even just one more person because, you know, the last person standing was me and they, they wouldn't let me bat uh, without a bystander. So the story was we lost. It was a humiliating kind of defeat. And I was like so upset with all my classmates. You know, just imagine your situation. Like you have to go and meet with them the next day at school. Just if one person had joined my team, we could have probably won instead of the whole 11, right? And then reflecting back right now, I can understand probably why they wouldn't join or they were not there. Primarily because it was all my need, my necessity to play that match, right? It was nobody else's need or necessity, even though, right, I felt like, oh, we should win, we should win this, and this was the, the goal. But a leader has to convince other people why it is also their necessity to go and play that match and win. Without doing that, nobody's going to play a match for your own selfish reasons, right? So understanding that kind of, now I can understand it, but at that time, all you're thinking is, I'm so pissed, why didn't they come? Are they not my friends? Why are, not, you know, the things and, you know, blaming them for my own defeats? But, you know, if you reflect back, they said, no, it's not their fault. It's actually my fault because I was the one who was pushing for such a match, thinking that it was a slam dunk victory, right? And why I'm saying this is just from my own humble experience. But if you go now, look at all the world history, history of people, you know, leaders, top leaders, whether it be political leaders, business leaders, doing all kinds of activities for their own self-interest, they will never lead to success. And I can reflect, for example, people who get into wars for their own selfish reasons, right? You go read history of whether it's European history, Indian history, Chinese history, or you know what what history is an example. Other examples would be companies that go into mergers or acquisitions or something like that because the leader or the CEO thinks, oh, I have to grow and expand and you know get into things, right? And and that results in failure. So this is a small lesson that I learned from my my own experience that probably I can share from you. Okay, so just relaying the motto to the people around you or like how a CEO really does, like relaying, relaying like the why to the people to get them motivated to really. 
absolutely be more starting with, right that's right starting with why is important and also understanding why you know you are leading them and what is the reason because you have to connect with the people and and then only they will follow you right that is the key thing uh, so when once you were in like a grad school right so yeah. how did you uh, go about finding your potential research advisor or advisor for your project uh, how did you approach him at the, at that point of time and um, if you have any suggestions of like how students should really go about doing that finding the right person or a right professor to work on a right project to work on that's a, that's a fantastic question actually um so if the students can focus on you know of, of course they talk to uh, you know they 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 the senior batch and understand you know who is the best professor who has the particular funding and uh, main thing is if if the student is really interested in the subject that the professor is teaching and really passionate about that and passionate to learn and if they continue to do well in the coursework of that professor ultimately the professor is going to notice them and that is the easiest and you know way to get approach and saying yes i would like to 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 do research under you or be your ta or you know get financial assistance so that i can work and improve myself on that particular field right so showing the interest and passion in that field is very important because again it's it's all about you know interest right and self interest what you are interested is in the temporary job or the money so that you can survive uh, but what is the interest of the professor to 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 make sure you are you are the person who is hired and uh, the only way the professor will hire you is if, if you show interest and passion in that subject and if the professor feels that that is the mentee that he needs to choose right so let the professor choose the right person uh, that's all i can say right instead of forcing yourself mm-hmm. up, up upon him right um also another thing so uh, i found it interesting that you didn't really do an internship so what what's the story behind that did you really prep for an internship or were you doing a more more interest in research at that point of time or um, so how did that timeline really work and uh, if you didn't really do like you didn't really do an internship right so how did you uh, when did you really start doing uh, your preparations for a full time job preparation for interviews for a full time job so so that's a that's a very good question right so um so let's say uh, graduate studies is like a two year course right and right. most students come uh, during the fall so august or september they start the thing and then they're graduating um, you know uh, not that year the year following the 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 year that follows after that like around may or june something like that right so the time to apply for internship for most companies is um, in that first year itself uh companies start um, interviewing during like you know october to november uh, to december time frame so you should be ready really you know first term itself with your resume uh, to start applying for internship and this is something i i did not know or i did not realize and i kind of started applying pretty late like probably like around may you know march or april and this is something that most graduate students get into um uh, applying late and we can't blame them because they also don't know that uh, and um, and uh, i did get one call all around probably january or february and i, I did attend it uh, but based on the one single coursework i did uh, the interviewer said yes you are doing great in that but you have no knowledge on these 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 other subjects so we can't hire you now and i said yeah those coursework are yet to be followed like computer architecture whatever i was planning to take uh, so i had to i had to i had to um, take those coursework so now the second part of your question is when did i start preparing for your the final job interview right i mean right. the from that moment itself i think that whole two years was all in preparation for that at uh, that one single job opportunity and that and i never wasted that a single time i just realized that 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 probably i will get one call and there was a history behind this too right um, in a sense like when i was doing my bachelor's too 
there was um, uh, incidents where um, you know companies came for campus interviews. So um, in the in the in the first company that came at that point was CTS Cognizant Technology Services. This was probably 2003, so way back, right? We didn't have that as many companies uh, that, as what comes in India these days. So I got the opportunity to do a face-to-face interview. I cleared the the technical round, the the written answers, and I I, I didn't do well in the interview session for some reason or the other. My my speaking skills were not that good and is not polished um, i didn't communicate you know my body language was bad and things like that right and i mumbled at the interview uh, you know and, and it was so so bad it was terrible i didn't get that job and then what happened was i think my conference went down i was like depressed and i saw a lot of my other friends who are probably not as technically smart or something like that they all got the jobs in the first company itself and there was a multiple series of companies that came and i couldn't clear any of them and it was like a painful, painful lesson for me, just watching everyone go through. And it was very much towards the end. And TCS, Tata Consultant Services at the point in time, was one of the last companies to come uh, for the hiring to my, my college. And then I was like dead set, determined said, okay, this is the only chance I will get. I have to clear this interview by hook or crook and whatever. And I was prepared for that. And do, because I went through that process, and by the time I get to the grad stu- school, I knew that. I mean, the, the one interview I got for the internship, I didn't clear it. And I knew that some of my other key friends, they were all getting internship. I did not get it. So I was all, all the moment in my grad life was just preparing for the one more shot uh, at it, right? So, and because I had that, that, that previous history of my bachelor's degree, I was like focused. I have to get this interview. And then I got this interview at Dental and I just made sure, I mean, I was prepared. So I think one, one thing, um, I'm, you know, from my notes to like, you know, reading is uh, preparation is key. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I wish all of you who are joining this call and others, uh, you know, success in your life, uh, you know, and, and the other job opportunities, but be prepared, be prepared so that uh, you're, you're facing any, 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 any questions or any eventualities. Um, but the other key thing is um, um, uh, about uh, knowledge, right? So I have a I have a quote from Charlie Munger, whom, who's extremely wise. So I recommend all of you to uh, read about Charlie Munger. So um, acknowledging what you don't know is the dawning of wisdom. Right? It's a great quote, right? Uh, what it means is we all are, are in a situation like we don't know a lot of things, right? If any human being says, I know everything, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's not saying the truth. I'll say that, right? I'm not saying he's saying lying, but he's not clearly saying the truth, he or she, because no single person can know everything in the world. I mean, we human beings, we have a very fixed amount of life, maybe 70 years or 100 years or, or 80 or 90 years. But the history of the world, history of human, you know, human civilization is so vast that we probably know just probably 1% or less than 1% of whatever we can learn. Right. So, so knowing what we don't know is very important. So even when you go through the interview process, don't be shy to say, okay, I don't know that I'm willing to learn, but at this moment, this is the boundary of my knowledge and, um, and leave it there. Right. Thanks a lot for sharing it, sharing that story. And um, so like you're the perfect person to really ask this question right now, just because of the fact of everything that's going on in the world right now with the coronavirus situation because uh, you were kind of in the situation of the 2008 financial crisis. So uh, can you uh, go back and like explain to me um, what was the landscape, like the, the industrial and economic landscape like? Were you guys already aware of that something like this is going to happen? And um, if so, or like when it really happened, uh, how did you really change your job searching strategies at that point of time, which uh, students can really use in this situation because uh, of like 
we're seeing um, like record number of unemployment um, things that are going on right now. So it would be really beneficial for the students who are in this situation because it's it really resembles with your situation at that time. So this is a very good question, but um, yeah. So so the thing is, when I was applying for the jobs, it was like 2007, 2008, and and to be honest with you, I have I was not even aware of what was going around, you know, on this financial crisis and other things, right? Looking back today, I can understand. Oh, there was a financial crisis at that point of time, and that's why hiring was so tough, and nobody was you know giving opportunities or calls like that. But at that point of time, remember there was no social media. 2007, 8. I mean, I I remember the times when we used to have a platform called Orkut, and Orkut was one of the things. Uh, they used to be there and Facebook was just launching and I was in the university where Facebook used to be sent out to only uh, people with a uh, uh, .edu email address so you could only join Facebook when you have an edu email address and I remember the time when you know I was you know first iPhone when it came we were you know trying to buy that first iPhone and things like that this is around 2007-2008 so at that point there was no LinkedIn there was no like the, the job sites I don't even think Indeed was there so the whole process was you go to a company website and then fill in that form and then submit your resume and just hope somebody gets you a call. So I did for most of the you know, semiconductor companies and I also reached out to the professors in my, co in my college and you know send the resume out and if they knew any leads, um, uh, they, they connected. Right? So I think I was lucky in one of the courses, I think the computer architecture course or something, the professor um, said, uh, you know, send me all your resumes. Uh, somebody from Intel is asking for things and I will forward to you. And you know, through that way, uh, I, I might have uh, you know gotten called. That that's all I know. Um, um, so so, uh, but again, I was not aware of uh, you know the big financial crisis and what is going on in that industry at the time. Because as an engineering grad student, you're you're just focused on your work, your research, and your studies, and you barely know cosmetically something is going on in the stock market. Because like most of the students who are here, you're probably not invested in stock market, so you have no idea whether what the stock prices of a company or not, right? Now, COVID is slightly different because it's a worldwide phenomena and uh, because it has physical things that you're, you're like, you're all locked down. So people, you know that you can't really go to the groceries and you, you're wearing masks. And the social media right now is vastly more prevalent than it used to be like about 13, 14 years ago. So, um, um, so, so things are different. But I think the, the, the mode of operandi is still the same. Uh, for most companies, the, the hiring happens through uh, internal referrals or their internal job sites. Um, uh, I think the best way is even through LinkedIn. Um, and I'd advise all of you to reach out to um, uh, you know, recruiters within the companies. Uh, you, know, you can search for uh, their, their profiles, their HR uh, or HR consultants or hiring managers, hiring groups, uh, kind of things, and um, uh, reach out to them. And there's also a way to reach out to them. Right. The best way if you're reaching out to social media is to actually, uh, you know, you have one message, short message, keep it very simple. Uh, say why you admire this company. Uh, you're saying uh, hi or, you know, respected, you know, sir or madam. Um, and, and then type out like, uh, you know, um, I highly, uh, uh, you know, uh, it is always my dream to work for this XYZ company. Um, uh, and uh, the actions I've taken is to uh, do crosswords in these, these, these fields. And I would love to, to have an opportunity to connect with you on LinkedIn and explore if there's any um, uh, um, openings uh, within your company that I, I would be best suited for and then say thank you and, and then leave it like that, right? So open up connections. Um, when, you're, when somebody is connecting uh, to somebody who you don't know, 
within the company, uh, please leave a personal message instead of just clicking connect and then trying and, and, and hoping it. Add a, add a small, simple, such a message saying why you want to connect with that person in that particular company, saying either it's your dream company or your dream job, or you have relevant coursework in that thing, and then see if there's an opportunity for your contributions to, 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 to partake in that company, right? So that will be my uh, simple uh, advice. Nice. I can actually see that the importance of LinkedIn and I'm like saying that as more and more engaged I'm getting on LinkedIn uh, that like, especially in these times, it's so important to just like be connected with other people, luminize and uh, people from different companies. Um, another thing I wanted to ask was um, how was, uh, if you could explain uh, how your interview process was back then when you uh, first joined Intel and later on, has it, has it really changed the interview process of uh, whether it's for a full-time employee or for an internship? No, I don't think so. The the process itself, I don't think has changed significantly from um, much. Maybe the questions have changed a little bit or, or, or the other, but the process of getting an internship is still, at least in an Intel case, it is you know still a telephonic interview uh, with somebody. And then um, uh, think of the internship as an extended interview process where uh, you know the company also and the group that you are working with gets to know you as the intern um, and you also get to learn uh, some of the 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 on the job uh, things that are required and then it's kind of a meeting of minds in both sense so it's a kind of an extended interview process you can think about as the internship now for the full time is will be much more uh, of a detailed um, uh, interview process um, after a phone phone call interview uh, the company is probably uh, you know going to um, ask you to come over uh, meet the team and uh, you, you know, especially if you are in engineering, you can expect a, a few rounds of technical interviews uh, based on the the topic, uh, you know, of, of the field of engineering. And then uh, probably, um, you know, uh, the company, uh, the manager, or somebody will take you out for lunch, and then then uh, you get the opportunity to ask questions about uh, the company, the work culture, uh, the perks of the company, et cetera, et cetera. And um, and then that 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 this the interview process that kind of wraps uh, in a day, right? So um, I think getting to that interview process, uh, you know, uh, is, is uh, uh, it all depends on how many you know, openings there are and, you know, who is hiring at that particular point of time. So, um, I mean, that's something, you know, nobody can control. Um, it's, it's beyond a single person's uh, control. Um, uh, but like we will see how the situation uh, evolves as, as the months uh, progress, right? But um, it cannot be like infinite uh, time time frame where everybody's kind of hiring is kind of stopped. Uh, but uh, we think like you know hopefully things will open up um, in the future. Um, so um, now uh, being like being an engineer in Intel and then uh, moving on to being a hiring manager as well. Uh, what is there any core thing that you're looking for in um, in an employee? at Intel or uh, the person who's going to like uh, applying to any big tech company. Is there anything core thing that you found as a hiring manager? Is this is something that's really, really important um, in any, in any job application or in any personal interview that you really take. So I want to clarify something. I'm not a hiring manager per se. There's a difference. I'm an engineering manager. I do have teams under me. I've interviewed people, not just for my team, for other teams as well, but um, um, uh, you know, uh, there's a subtle difference, at least within company, like hiring manager is, is also responsible for resource allocation and many other things. I don't deal with that. Okay. If there is a request uh, for resources within my team, I, we send it to the hiring manager. So I'm not a hiring manager, so I can't, uh, you know, t- take any resume. So just, uh, just FII. Um, uh, the the things that we look for the in the, the interview process of course is uh, the technical knowledge of that person uh, how much uh, that person knows what that person you know knows 
that's important thing how much he knows what he or she knows instead of uh, cooking things around right so that's why i'm saying if you don't know feel free to say this is all i know it's my knowledge is limited and you know the rest is beyond my knowledge right but if you have taken coursework and if you if you don't recollect some things that's okay we we can uh, work on some of these these things but if there are other behavioral aspects that uh, it comes out in a bad light meaning inconsistent messaging um, where um, you know you say some things you know saying oh i've done this coursework yeah of course i've done all these things and suddenly you can't even answer the basics of that it it won't it won't gel well right so some people are desperate for jobs and say oh yeah i've done analog design and whatever but if you can't explain what an op amp operation says and suddenly you feel like uh, then they will say oh no actually i was i thought i had taken it in my bachelor's degree or whatever so that's where it's a kind of a no no right uh hopefully that makes sense yeah. to mm-hmm. all of you yeah um so um i've also heard that you have like uh, i actually got connected to you via one of your mentees um as a mutual connection um and uh, so you mentor a lot of people and um, you might have had mentor in your life as well uh the two things so how do you really um choose your mentor that this is this is going to be this is going to be the right mentor for me and also as as a mentor yourself how do you choose your mentees yeah that's a that's a fantastic question right so um the thing is you want to work with people whom you admire, admire right admire and respect a lot and uh, choosing your mentors um not because of the title or positions but initially you might make mistakes sometimes you feel like hey they are they are speaking the right language speaking the right terms that you like and you go and approach them saying okay can i be your mentor you know sorry mentee and then you you go there right but eventually that process will weed out and every i personally feel like every person should get multiple mentors in their life right and then you get to learn from every everybody so uh, the, there's a famous quote i i want to say that right so um, whenever i go, you know the, i forgot who uh, said it but the quote is uh, in my everyday uh, walks in my life every person i meet uh, is somebody whom i can learn from so a mentor is somebody that is not just a title or somebody specific but you get to learn from everybody and then continuously learn right again it's another wisdom from charlie munger is somebody who continues to learn every day um, you know if you go to bed a little wiser than you woke up and do it for a long time uh, you will be highly successful right so uh, simplifying it like if you go to bed every day little wiser than what you woke up you you do it for a long time and you will be successful right so it is it's a process that you have to do meaning whether you are continuing to read and learn uh, continue to uh, to to follow the right heroes another quote is like no show me your your heroes and i'll tell you who you will become right so similarly um, uh, you know finding that right people you might make little mistakes but that's good for the long run uh, you get to learn different aspects and 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 it is not just people that are around you you can make books your mentors right uh, meaning the the written wisdom uh of the world is phenomenal uh, i'll tell you like for example do you know like uh, just me uh, uh, japanese let me ask you a question how many people are there in this world right now the what is the world's population probably a couple billion couple no it's about like 7 7.5 billion okay so let me ask you another question how many human beings let's say homo sapiens you know theoretically would have existed in this world from the beginning like some millions of years to now any guess well you can't really fathom it's like billions of billions then yeah uh, there is some work done on that 
and people estimate there are about 100 billion people uh, if you add up all the population from different areas you know add up over long duration of time about 100 billion people would have lived on the planet earth from beginning to to now right so that what that means is for every person that is alive today there were like 13 others who who have already passed away right so if someone believes that there is no original thought all the thought that we today have has already been thought by somebody else in the past right every thought that we have whether it is fear and anger or anxiety or you know you know bewilderment or excitement you know or happiness uh, for some reasons or we think a new cool device or technology whatever it is could have already been thought at that point of time and why humans couldn't do it is one lack of resources and two the lack of uh, you know uh, time and knowledge at that point of time right so um, if that is the case, if we can learn from people who have gone past, one of the best ways is through books, right? Books and writings of, of previous talks. So mentorship doesn't mean it has to be a physical person near you. It can be through unknown people that are, you know, around you, works of great people who, you know, came before you. So that's all mentors. Now the question is mentees. How do you find right mentees, right? So some of you in this process, um, um, there's no time that you say hey, I'm early, I'm late, right? We are all in a time time duration. You will all be in similar, you know, sitting in my chair like a few years down the line. And similarly, you're you're all you know, some other folks will be in your situation a few years down the line too. So you can start mentoring people who are going to come uh, to your situation. So if you look at it like a like a like a train that has a front as an engine and then the back. You know, the engine will arrive at the station first, but then the bogey will, will, will follow, right? Similarly, you will arrive at the station, but then somebody else is going to follow you for sure, right? So be prepared now so that you can be that men, you know, mentor for somebody else is the key aspect uh, for, for mentees to learn. So that's one thing I'm, I'm t teaching, you know, some of my mentees is whatever you're learning, whether it's for me or for other people, have a willingness to share it with others, right? So very simple. I'll keep it like you know simplicity. So there's an um, um, uh, quote by um, Einstein, um, uh, but again I won't go into that. But keeping things very simple. If you are honest and trustworthy, that's number one. And number two, if you have a willingness to share what you're learning, that is more than enough for you to become a good mentee and then a good mentor for others. Right? Truth yep. and honesty, uh -huh. as well mm -hmm. as willingness to share. Thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, so we, I, I'm going to end this um, session on like the last question that I really wanted to ask was uh, so if you wanted to uh, reflect upon like your journey um, like from your childhood uh, till now investing um, getting a job in Intel um, experience in America back doing bachelors back home uh, if you had to define that journey in three words what would those three words be? And uh, it could be those three words could be those words that are coming to you right now. So that's fine. And things actually change. But what would be those three words if you had to define that journey so far? Well, it will be continuous learning, growth, compounding, and, you know, probably sharing something like that. Sweet. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for sharing your views. Thank uh, you. Yeah.